rapid response. Um, as they get to their second rapid response, they will appear on this watch list. The watch list is designed to make information oh, naughty more list transparent, your way. more easy to access. Listen closely, folks. Uh, to get Listen into closely. The next two minutes that, uh, are the most, two, end, most, most important minutes. This list, sending it out to the media, tweeting about it, placing it on social media, trying to let um, communities know which businesses have high numbers of rapid responses. So while the goal here is to stay home, if you need to go out to one of these businesses, you will have the tools in an easy to find way as to where COVID is in the workplace in your community. So that's the first thing we're doing. The second thing we're doing is after you pass your second rapid response in the period of 14 days, uh, you may get to a third or a fourth. When you hit that number of four rapid responses within 14 days, uh, certain businesses will now have to cease operations and shut down for a period of two weeks. Um, these are largely the businesses like restaurants and um, salons and gyms and uh, places like that, lodging, et cetera. Uh, Non-essential businesses, if you will, will have to shut down for that period of time to, to stop the spread of COVID uh, within the workforce. And again, the goal here is, is exactly that, to stop the spread of COVID um, and to recognize that while many businesses are doing their due diligence and implementing CSP's COVID safe practices on a daily basis, there is that occasion where a, a business will experience a rapid response. If you're not experiencing those in a frequent way in that period of 14 days, you, you then have the ability to stay open and continue there's to no serve, law for this. There's, uh, the there's no law that, that backs any of this. Or struggle with this concept and get to that four in 14 days they're after shaming. the period of shutdown begins. They're, they're shaming. Here we to go. You're going to be publicly and, uh, thank you. shamed on a list, and you have to go through four responses, and then you're shut down for 14 days. This will effectively cut down probably 50 percent, if not more, governor, of the Mexico you're still restaurant. Muted. I'm so sorry. Agency. Oh, we can mute the governor. If We're I'm all having technical difficulties. Thank you, Nora, for um, reminding me. My apologies, everyone. So uh, I'm going to go over then the operationalizing of our new uh, measures and our, our effort to crack down on this virus. And I really want to make sure that that's the language that we're using, that we're not shutting down because we're trying to learn to live with the virus uh, during what's coming, which is even tougher winter months. So we're having a tough fall. Uh, by all uh, likelihood and all of the advice and information we're getting from national experts on our own modeling team, that the winner uh, could pose even more challenges to New Mexico. And I want to frame it with uh, three quick more things and she we'll talk about what changes. Another nine months. One, New Mexico has a third less hospital and healthcare capacity per capita than any other state in the country. That means we have to get it right. Uh, and we have to do everything we can to make sure people can get routine care, that mamas can deliver their babies safely in the hospital uh, when they're going to the hospital to deliver those babies, that if God She's forbid we have a trauma months. or an accident uh, or someone injured in a fire, that we have the healthcare system that's ready and available to do that, and it gets really stretched 
When you have any kind of an issue, whether that's a flu epidemic or a significant flu season, but with a pandemic and a deadly virus, that becomes moment to moment if we can't stabilize transmission. Two, the number of cases, as you saw, as you saw, is exponential. Now, there were some days uh, over the several last several where our positivity rate was eight and a little above. What does that mean? That means that far too many people that we're testing are showing that they have the virus. That, along with the rate of infection, are two ways that we track how prevalent this virus is. It's prevalent in the state. And third, we want to make sure that as we're protecting our healthcare resources and we're protecting the Mexicans, right, that we're saving lives in that design while also recognizing that we're trying to, right, have some sense of normalcy in the state of New Mexico. All right, so effective Friday, the 23rd, that's this Friday. What Secretary Kenny was saying, if a business records four rapid responses in a 14-day period, that business must close for two full weeks so that we can reset, right, basically where we are, where we've got a particular outbreak. This applies to food and drink establishments, retail establishments, places of lodging, and any close contact businesses as defined in the public health order. Secretary Kenny said that already. Gyms and salons are other examples. It's basically everyone, right? This is how we can crack down on where the virus is spreading. Businesses are not spreading the virus. People coming to businesses are spreading the virus uh, and giving it to employees at that business. So this is a way for us to minimize that spread. So how is it that you knew enough outbreaks. to know uh, that as other that, people bringing uh, so it, not the employees? That makes no sense. You're punishing everybody by we saying that. But the employees are being punished. Yeah, they, they're out of a job. It's significant enough that, makes no that sense. we will be focusing on locations and high-risk communities this is, so that we can get folks back to the whole state managing the virus and limiting the spread. Does this All count right, for state agencies slide. too? Does it count for Walmart, right, Home Depot? Now we're going to also count for require yep. additional, very strict safety measures for indoor dining. Uh, and I know that this is an area that we all struggle with because we want our restaurants to succeed. It is already incredibly hard. Winter is coming. And 25% when she slows down her speech like that, in you know she's being is not a disingenuous. model economically. We also want people to be safe. You can't wear a mask while you eat uh, and you're indoors, which means the virus stays in that indoor setting. So we really have to find better you can't ways wear a mask to and do eat. this more effectively. Makes no sense. We She's think this strategy, which got great input, and I want to say thank you from the Restaurant Association, by other businesses and restaurants, we'll ask Carol if she uh, and by the Economic Recovery no Council, that if food and drink establishments work to do New Mexico Safe Certification, which is a free certification, but goes through what's required, the training, how to protect your employees, how to keep it uh, uh, as uh, sanitized as possible, and how to deal with the flow of traffic so that you're minimizing spread, uh, we're going to ask everyone to do that. If you don't do that, you can't keep off, you can't keep doing any indoor dining. Let me say that again. 
So four, every restaurant is going to have to be re-educated. Yeah. You can't open. Or you can't stay in business. Yeah, you can't open. If you, don't you have to go through the government compliance. The New Mexico Safe Certification Training there Program, which is free and it's online and it's quick, you cannot continue to offer indoor dining at 25%. You 25 percent lowest in the country, by the way. To spot testing of employees, and what that means is state health officials will target businesses for testing in our high-risk counties. Lee and Eddie counties. She used the right word there. The target yep. is the worst. Um, we also Not randomly uh, want select food and drink target. establishments to keep a logbook of customers who dine on site for three weeks to support contact tracing. That's a shower Food and drink establishments will have That's until the law end now. of the month, almost October 30th, to become Restaurants certified. Are shutting down. Those that are not that. certified after that day. Customers will not comply. Will not Restaurants are shut down. She's shutting down New Mexico. But now, right now we know the delay. Yeah, now we remain a top source, as I talked about, of possible exposure, according to state contact tracers. And we have to find a way to safely operate indoor dining and lower the spread and rate of infection. Because again, winter is coming. So if they're if only operating at 25%, how is it that they have increased the spread if they're only having 25% occupancy? That. We think these structures and these strict COVID safe practices are the prudent way forward. And I want to say one more thing about this slide. The state provides the support at no cost to the business. The state shows up to provide the testing where appropriate in high-risk areas uh, at no cost to the business. We want to make sure that you are safely operating, that you have access to the resources of the state so that you can stay open. That is the goal the here. The state is borrowing money from the federal government to pay well its bottom line. The state has no I money. The cost is huge to each and every one of your businesses. She's lying okay, through her She's lying through her teeth. Um, these are additional measures that we think will slow the spread while keeping the economy viable. So also effective Friday. It's not viable now. All retail spaces must close by 10 p.m. every night. Remember, we're trying to limit where people are going. Now, I want to make clear that this is excluded. Retail is not pharmacy. Right, so anybody who needs those services, no matter what time it is, those are still available. So this is basic retail shopping, healthcare, and necessary supplies would be exempt from the standard, and it's really intended to minimize what's happening and where people are going. So if you were at a food establishment, these are more nonsensical instead of retail shopping at a potential largely 24-hour big box store. Now, I said it ahead of the slide. This aligns with our 10 p.m. closing time for food and drink. So we're trying you to... Notice she's not yeah, using, that's the going, curfew. She's not using the word curfew. Yeah, exactly. but she's, she's using curfew. Yeah. Uh, it, that is what it is, but she's scared to say the word. An effective measure. We're also asking New Mexicans, please try and shop alone. Do not bring your family. Consider ordering online. Do curbside pickup and delivery. This um, is we're April. working this with is retailers March, April, and grocery again. stores and big box stores to help make this easier and to even think about having hours that are specific to single heads of households, so single parents who don't have any other options here, um, and for seniors, again, to really minimize risk 
to maximize controlling the rate of spread of the virus. Effective Friday, October 23rd, state-operated museums and historical sites are going to close. And that's something that we can do that, again, keeps us in that triangle. And we are optimistic. I really want people to hear that. When were they open? We are in a very difficult place currently in the state of New Mexico. The virus is winning. We have the opportunity. It's the fourth quarter. The virus doesn't have to win. We can win. We can manage it. We can come back down to a 2% positivity rate. And I'm optimistic that these efforts working in partnership with our businesses, that we can make these differences as long as New Mexicans support these by wearing your masks, keeping socially distanced, and staying home. So I want to talk about uh, So obviously our, uh, social distancing success, and masks have not worked. Slide. Otherwise, we wouldn't be in this situation because everybody's using them at this we point. We really believe, because, right, duration and mobility and indoors, outdoors, whether you wear a mask, and all those things that we used to talk about in that Johns Hopkins model, really, if we figure out a way, so notice that these are masks, safely wearing your masks, that if we can minimize without creating harm to ourselves or our families, by making sure that we're getting necessary medical care, that where we're required to do in-person work, of course we do that, that where you need self-care to run an errand, where you need childcare assistance, that we, of course, need to go to those places. Why would anybody need childcare? We can try to make this triangle work. Don't go more than three places a day. And if you have the ability to go nowhere, several days in a row. Not all of us live in the governor's hardships or issues or precautions that I mentioned about keeping your family safe. And the virus can't use you as a vehicle to move around. And so we don't have time. much time. If we don't attack and snuff out the virus right now by working collectively with businesses and each other, then the virus will win, and it leaves us very little opportunity to save lives and to keep our health care system from being overrun. And that other tool causes widespread economic disruption. Our North Star is still saving lives and making sure that our health care system isn't overrun. But we still believe in the modeling team and using science mitigation measures that we can win, we can manage the virus. So I really need folks to help us. Last couple of things, it really is spreading exponentially. Please remember what Dr. Grace said. New Mexico went from one of the best states in the nation to one of the states that's in the most trouble in the nation. Under her lockdown. And it's really because we let our guard down, because it is a vicious, invisible enemy. It's it our fault. It's an exhausting process with very little tools except modifying our behavior to attack. But attack it, we must. So to close us out right before questions, I want to uh, go to uh, uh, one of the most effective partners who's been helping us uh, safely return to school in K-5 and to make sure special education students and related high-risk students get extra support. Um, I'm going to reintroduce and thank Loveless for being Hospital here. Just banned uh, all Governor, visitors. Uh, yep. Effective today. Howie, take yep. it away. There will be no... 
visitors to the hospital thank for you, the Governor, next 24 thank hours. Thank you, Governor. Uh, thank you to our secretaries for the information that's been presented. Um, I know from judging by the amount of text messages, emails, there was an assumption that today's press conference was going to oh, come in Howie? and shut everything down. As you can oh see gosh. by the information presented, is that now is not a time to panic, but to be prepared. And most importantly, to remember this and is to remind ourselves to practice the things that got us to the point. And he's reading from a script. Mexico was leading the yeah. charge you can hear. in addressing COVID. From the very beginning, he's on the, the goal has always been to keep each of us safe, to keep our loved ones safe, and to make sure that we're protecting she our communities. She thinks Biden's going to win. And this is a political move. Yeah. yeah. She's, and I just she thinks Joe Biden's going to win, and she's out of here. And she's getting people again. used to their next governor. Yeah, she wants you to understand that this is going to be your governor. We can do so once again. She realizes she's waving the white flag. She knows she's failed. She has to win this election. That's what this is about. All the chips are in now. Yep. Our students back in the classroom. You don't put how we, how we want morale. to be our favorite teams and our, our favorite athletes. How we want to make sure that we're protecting our hospitals from being over. He's just reading a script as quick as he can. Yeah. And to protect those healthcare workers um, who are at the breaking point because of the amount of work that's been in place. And I think these are the reminders that we need to know for each one of us of how we as New Mexicans can get to just that checking point. out. He, he is, is in charge of nothing. That's why Bingham in. To took off out of here. That's why her chief of staff. That's why her chief of staff picked up and left. He, her chief of staff picked up and left, paving the way for her. Okay, she got the 14-day coronavirus, and she stays. It, you know, whatever. She's driving the numbers up because everybody now who's who's in the contact tracing web of the the home is registered as COVID-19 positive. That's how the numbers got driven up. She increases more restrictions and she's putting it on the blame on us. At the very same time, she's ex she's going to exit stage left and introduce Howie Morales. I mean, Howie is in charge of nothing. He presides over the Senate during the session. She hasn't made him in charge of any secret task force or anything unless she hasn't told us. There's no reason he should be there. Governor, and I'll remind our uh, media partners on uh, the Zoom with us to raise your hand if you have a question so that I can call on you. I have questions. Um, we'll start with Jen Gould from the Santa Fe New Mexican. Wow. Again, New Mexican. This is, this is this the most impactful conference that they've had by and far. And Jen, if you want to allow yourself to be unmuted there, go right ahead. Thank you. Come on, Jen. Great. Thank you, Nora. Um, thank you, Governor and, and Secretaries, and Lieutenant Governor. Uh, I had two, two quick questions. One was, um, and at the risk of Beating a dead horse here. It's a bit related to my question last week, but that is well. When you only get to a specific time um, that you are looking at in, in terms of you know a certain number of days that you're allowing before you need to close, you're going to you would decide to close businesses more definitively uh, again. A um, certain time limit at this current case rate, um, and then the other one is on is on prisons. Um, it, COVID's making inroads into state prisons, and are you doing anything to keep it from exploding there like it has in the federal prisons in the state? Thank you. Thanks, Jens. I, I, I really want to give you a definitive answer because uh, COVID, we would know exactly where it is. We would know exactly how it's spreading. And I mean, beside the basics, it's airborne. You know, it spreads human to human contact, uh, but it just depends. So the modeling team every day looks at the data from the hospitals, looks at the data about infection rates and positivity rates. We report it and look at it, right, in these two-week, seven-day rolling averages for gating. Two weeks of data really gives us that predictive value about where we are or where we're headed. 
It'll, we'll know in a couple of weeks. I hope maybe even earlier if we look at next week with these mitigation efforts and then, you know, compare it to this week, we'll get a sense. So I can tell you this, that it is, it is alarming where we are. And this, these mitigation efforts are not in, in, intended, as the lieutenant governor said, you know, scare people. Being scared doesn't help us stop the transmission. Being prepared and looking for ways to minimize spread and minimize risk, that's what will um, chart a much better course. But it, we should be very alarmed at how quickly, right? It got out of control fast. So she's we coming after. We let our guard down. She's, so this is all just more, bluster now. Okay. She's going after those businesses who are against her as her final salvo against them. And she's going to send people into those businesses like Laprine and Roswell and various other businesses as she is going to go ahead and pick up and exit out, uh, exit stage left, bring in Howie and have Howie deal with all of Richardson's and, and, and Hector and, and Brian and all of their stuff that they've been, that, 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 and let them run the state. That's the whole deal. She's in and out. I really want to go to Washington, D.C. Let me run for governor. Hector, you could have won, but, hey, I'll let you, you can come in after the fact. And, and people forget that she announced she was running for governor literally the week after the election in 2018. Or, or, or I mean, in 2016, I believe. Right after she won. 2018. Yeah, right, right after she won her congressional seat, she, like, uh, within a week. Oh, yeah, I'm running so for governor. So she took her oath. Yeah. She hadn't even taken her oath, actually. Yeah. This, this is, uh, folks, I don't, uh, you have to really be tuned into politics all the time. And most of you are who are listening, and I appreciate that, to really know and understand the political calculus that's happening right in front of your eyes. She wants out of here. She can't get out of here fast enough. And he asked about the, she, she, she can't get out of she can't get out of New Mexico fast enough. Our hospitals or our businesses. That is a reflection. And she hasn't mentioned the prisons. He asked about the prisons because yeah. those are under so her control, and the, the virus is spreading there. That we learned really stop so your business will get shut down. I do want to give you. But a, if it's something under her control, she doesn't want to talk about will it. Say, well, look, what's happening in jails and in corrections? That's all the cases. It gets in. This is criminal. You know, gets into a nursing home. And what she's doing is criminal. And uh, no, that's no, really no, the, no two ways the about community it. spread exponential growth. It's not. At MDC, as an example, it's only for, for the two weeks that we're dealing with that, it's 6% of the total cases. 94% We have 6% of our spread. total so population in the prison. Do we even know? I, I bet it's less than 1%. Just attacking folks in detention centers, jails, and prisons. It is not. And, um, and so we think that we're going to do, we believe that our efforts at surveillance immediately when we have a case testing everyone and doing isolation are the keys to minimize the highlight all they're doing after they find a case and she can't right. then back it up the with the data that says this is where the virus is spreading that. they do not do surveillance they do not do spot checks they oh there's our first blaming isolate trump isolate immediately when they have a positive case so she has we to keep trump out of here remember California, Arizona, Nevada, didn't come to New Mexico. She also said that, of course, PBS. She also said it was airborne, by the way. You are, you are unmuted. Go right ahead. Hi, thanks, Nora. Thanks, everyone. A um, couple of questions here. Um, under the uh, procedure that you all described, 
with the, the four rapid responses. I'm wondering if you have an idea, and I apologize if you said this already and I missed it, but I'm wondering if you have an idea um, how many businesses would have been subject to closure for two weeks um, That's actually in the past. And, and if you don't have an exact number, you can ballpark it. Um, and then the second question is more of a strategy question. Um, frequently, uh, we'll hear from folks in the Republican Party that um, folks who are vulnerable, people who are more vulnerable to uh, COVID-19 should stay out of the stay out of the mainstream, so to speak, and, and work to protect themselves. And um, people who are not in those more vulnerable categories uh, should go about their business. And they see that as a way to um, herd immunity. Uh, Come on, say it. I guess bolster the economy or protect the economy. No, um, while you they missed stay it. At the same time, they herd um, immunity. Spread of the disease. And I'm just wondering why or why don't you see that as a, a viable option? She, she didn't say herd immunity. You got it. So I'm going to go to uh, uh, Secretary Kenny for your question about rapid responses. And I can see that Dr. Grace wants to respond to the Republican um, aspect of here's another way to go Why about would you it. have I'm going to do a quick response a medical to doctor First of all, respond to the vulnerable population the, uh, one the, the in New Mexico uh, portion of that and, and, Republican portion. and we're going to be dosing and close to that answer because she's going to be talking straight to us, right? So she's going to be saying, because he's already set it up, of saying, why aren't you? It's just retirees is nonsense. Yes, it see. is everyone. We also lost an 18-year-old in southeastern New Mexico. Uh, it, it, this virus doesn't care what political party you are, how old you are, and apparently it doesn't really care if you have underlying conditions, although we have data that proves that underlying conditions make you much more vulnerable. Second, our retirees and seniors, you know, they need prescription drugs and groceries too. And while we're doing a great job getting meals out to families, it's not every family, so you're basically saying you can't get access to any of those um, essential services uh, and they got to go to the doctor and they got to go to the pharmacy and a lot of older people are still going to work and so this notion that that you can be you can oversimplify it by population you cannot I agree with the exactly Republican, what you can do uh, a statement don't know who made those that we should really be cautious about how this gets into populations that are more at risk because they are more likely to lose their lives and I appreciate the recognition that that still is a fact. But one in three New Mexicans is at high risk of having severe complications related to COVID um, and death. That is so incorrect. If we're Does the data the bear that out? No, it doesn't. You need, you need more than just a third of all New Mexicans. The survivability rate of 99.5%. So we have the lowest infection rate in the country. By, all, by their own number, 35,000 have, have contracted this, have one out of three. This is her uh, second swing and a miss. They're building, as we speak, herd immunity in South Dakota and North Dakota very quickly. Thank you, Governor. And Matt, thanks for your question. If that was in effect today, we'd have 42 closures. So 42 businesses exceed that four or more rapid responses. Um, just You didn't ask this, but there'd be 291 on the watch list, and we just sent out... So we're we shutting down every today, business um, as to who is on that list, uh, and we'll continue to send that out on a daily basis. Um, the the four or more closures will start at zero on Friday. So when the public health order is actually in effect, we will start the clock at zero, and anybody exceeding 
four or more rapid responses will then be triggering that shutdown. And I would invite you to check out our website. We posted all of this on our crack website. Crackdown, Kenny. Crackdown. Crackdown. Thank you, Governor. Thank you go. Yes, um, you're welcome. It's all on our website, what? and you can just browse to us at New Mexico Environment. How was that? You're in the search engine. Thank you. I would just add a couple things to what the governor what said. What need usual, to say covered Crackdown. All the bases. Uh, Two more things. Uh, one is that, you know, the elderly aren't just vulnerable uh, in and of themselves. And, and I think the governor hit on this, that a third of New Mexicans have, you know, risk factors. In fact, some risk factors are more common in people under 65, like obesity and other things like that. And then the second thing is that, you know, we're a multi-generational family state here in New Mexico. What does that even Top mean? Top three in the country. Top and three so in what? That doesn't make any sense. Any kind of system to separate off and completely protect um, older people in our state would really disrupt a huge percentage of our families. Uh, the fact is that even if you're if you're an old person doing everything you possibly along. can, well, he's worried about disrupting home, families now. Yourself. Yeah. You may have a child or a grandchild who's in and out of the house. Um, with we have grandparents, that's what they're doing. They want to come in uh, and control your home. Family got COVID. So we're going to control everything the, so we can the, prevent, allow those people to continue to be around each other. It would be disruptive to protect died. grandma or so grandpa, so we're going to just cancel everything? This that, that's their answer? I think disrupt life as we know it. How much easier would it be? Wow, that's so disconnected. Masks, that's so out of touch. About going out. Avoided those large gatherings. He doesn't believe life as we know it has already been disrupted. He said, yeah, if we do this, also, that would disrupt uh, it. Dr. Grace, that is an incredible point. Thank you I agree. for highlighting it. We are also one of the leading states in terms of this percent of population of grandparents raising grandchildren. Wow. So they have to drive them to school if they're in the K-5 through hybrid model. They have to get groceries. They have to uh, take them to the doctor. They have to do. They have to go to childcare. All those things that happen in families that yeah, because you keep enabling all the drug habits of the um, of their parents. They're all younger families. They are not, and that is a very important point that I would have failed to make. Thank you, Dr. Grace. Next question. Thank you, Governor. Next, we'll go to Joy Wang with KOB4. Joy, sure she has a question about alcohol or something. Hey, Governor, thanks for answering the question. Um, if you could just first talk a little bit a more about state travel guy. slash flying, and then the other one would be for the businesses watching who are concerned about wanting to make sure they get, you know, that rapid response training done. Could you kind of just a little bit elaborate on what's needed in all of that? Right. So I'm going to do the, the latter part first, if you don't mind, which is, uh, and I really appreciate the question. We aren't looking for ways to create a situation where businesses can't get safe certified, right? This is not uh, a, a, a strategy to do that, right? If we're going to have an economy that can survive while making sure that we don't let up on our efforts to uh, create an environment where we are saving lives, keeping individuals from getting COVID, or we don't even talk about that anymore, the long-term impacts of having COVID when you survive, and, and the hospital system. We're looking to have a coexistence that is as safe as we can make it in that environment. So it is an online tool and it, you register, it tells you what COVID safe practices are necessary for your business, 
uh, and restaurants are very specific. They helped us to create those, what you need for your employees, what you need to do to sanitize, how you report uh, if you believe you've got a positive case. Uh, we typically find out about the positive case through the Department of Health and the epidemiologist. They call that employee and we ask about their employer so that we can go out and help test and mitigate any transmission risks. Uh, that's the whole point of the contact tracing and going right where we have a potential outbreak. Um, and uh, so we think uh, that this system, and I want to say that uh, restaurants, not, not just by themselves, but as a particular group, were very effective, and hospitality, in fact, at creating with the Department of Tourism this safe certified business. I know how to operate as COVID safely as possible. I know what my obligations are to the public and my employees, and I know how to mitigate having it come in with uh, consumers and customers, right? So um, that's what you need to do, and we'll make sure that uh, folks know exactly how to get online. So I'm going to ask my folks to make sure that we get a slide up or get that out to everyone uh, participating um, today. And then uh, the, the first part of your question, um, you, you're going to need to repeat it for me. I apologize. Uh, Governor, she asked about more information about travel and flying. So the same quarantine issues exist, right? Uh, we, if you're coming in from out of state, you're one of the hot spots, which now uh, is about every state uh, in the nation. And we ask the Mexicans if you're going to a state that is, has a positivity rate above five, uh, which is now including us, nearly every state in the nation, not everyone, uh, but that you should quarantine. And it is an, a tough area to enforce. We have, thank you, Dr. Scrace, by the way. We've had lots of conversations about that. Uh, and travel is still in that top category, right? Dining, shopping, family gatherings, travel. These are the areas that we know create the highest risk for spread. And frankly, um, a message to New Mexicans, look, I, I know there are things where we have to travel. Um, we have emergencies. Uh, we have your opening of business in another state. Uh, your, your work, although I hope that they will really look at what constitutes uh, um, required work travel. If we're going to make this work, people have got to, uh, to decrease and eliminate altogether any travel that's related to entertainment and basic tourism because that is a huge problem and it absolutely creates spread. And we're seeing all of the controversies play out across the country about where airlines thought it was completely safe. It's not, it's spreading. You're getting it in other states and communities. And so I, I um, have kept all those quarantine requirements exactly as they are. Thank you, Governor. Next, we'll go to Dan Boyd with the Albuquerque Journal. I'm absolutely speechless. Dan, you can go ahead and accept that. There we go. Dan, go right ahead. Uh, thanks, Nora. And thank you, Governor and Secretaries and Lieutenant Governor. Um, I'll try and be brief, but two quick questions as well. One is I, I didn't hear anything about changes with schools and wanted to hear if, um, you know, considering kind of pumping the brakes on in-person learning or if that's something uh, the administration still plans to continue ahead with. And, and secondly, I, I think this came up a little last week, but just wanted to see if you had any thoughts on, given that we have more restrictions uh, already than a number of other states, how this recent um, 
spike may have happened uh, in, here in New Mexico. Uh, so you know that we are sort of pausing doing more uh, in-person hybrid learning, but we're really trying to make this work. Uh, and I have folks who identify for us that in school districts in many states who also have community spread that is worrisome, including Texas, which their hospitals, particularly around the border where New Mexicans use their health care services, are, are also uh, nearing capacity or at capacity and are saying we can't take uh, uh, neighboring states for you know, routine procedures and we want folks to know that we're in a uh, high alert, high capacity problem, El Paso, Lubbock as examples. Um, uh, so we're going we're gonna to hold where we are, but we're not going to expand. We believe unequivocally based on the contact tracing, the mobility, and what we're seeing and the number of rapid responses where we get to go in and you know, really talk to a particular business about what happened, that a lot of things are occurring. People are not wearing their masks. They're going to far too many places. They're not socially distancing. They're traveling. They're having uh, um, uh, family gatherings. Where's the data events. to support any there, of these? Uh, there's not. Have you, I have not witnessed that. The public health People are wearing masks. They stay six some, feet away. Um, folks who either intentionally, I hope that's not the case, or unintentionally, still unaware of the public health orders, who are having 50, 100 people well beyond their capacity limits. We got a report in a community about karaoke and bingo. These are high risk activities that have created spread. And I think people just got tired, a bit careless. And I think it was feeling good enough in New Mexico that we didn't have anything to fear, like COVID was over. In spite of telling everyone, COVID will never be over. The virus will always live among us. The tools, including oh. a vaccine and treatments, should and improve. And what she's saying makes sense. And should no give sense. us the opportunity to why manage do we have, Why better, do we have an entire uh, hospital, Loveless, that shut down if we're that. reaching hospital capacity? Why is the Gallup portion shut down? And why is she giving anecdotal observations with an empirical attitude as if this is happening everywhere? Well, and that's what we're going to doesn't talk about what up. she's done. Every restriction that she's throwing out today, she has not provided a single data point to say, we're doing this because of that. When El Paso is a problem, we're seven months in. Sonia County is a, uh, is a problem. When sports activities and schools came back to school, NIMI went back to school. We've got, I think, up to 60 cases there. Uh, the virus spreads, which is exactly what we said would happen in the fall if we didn't double down on our efforts to socially distance, wear masks, and limit the places we were going. And I just don't think people were able, for a multitude of reasons, to adhere. Dr. Scrace. That's a long way of saying yeah, I don't just know. Just one thing to add about schools. You know, I think in all of the things we're talking about, we really have to learn how to live in a COVID-positive world. And just flipping back and forth with an on-off switch is not going to get us there. And when we did the modeling, which, by the way, Lana published a preprint last week of their modeling work re related to school opening that was based in large part on the work we had done with them together and they're working all over the country. Of course, that K through six group really did appear to be the safest and lowest risk. Now we've had schools open in a hybrid model in some places for five weeks now. And uh, what we're seeing is we do see cases, but 
you know, we see cases in the hybrid model in kids in school, some teachers too, but we also see cases in kids and teachers who are just teaching remotely or learning remotely. So we're not getting any evidence that uh, what's happening in schools is a big contributor or driving in any way this uptick we've seen in cases. And so to the extent that we can hold that and, and, and keep those kids there and, and get more school systems involved in that at, after we get the cases down, that's really, in my mind, an important priority on the road to learning to live with this. Because, you know, we, we have a, a fair number of additional months between now and, and the vaccine and after the vaccine's released, plenty of months after that till everyone's immunized. So I, I, I have not seen any data that would make me suggest we had to pull back on that uh, in-person schooling right now. One more thing to add. We've seen all these national super spreader events. You know, those make their way. All right. This is there you go. There's the first Mexico charge problem. at Donald Trump. New Mexico needs to address its problem. Uh, we are stricter because we have more issues than most states. Health status, uh, social determinants of health, less hospital capacity. I mean, we're just different than everyone else. Uh, and a lot of that makes us positively, incredibly special. But there are challenges that other states don't have to deal with in a pandemic in the same way. But look, this is not about New Mexicans. I want to be careful about that. We are not suggesting that you know, our behavior is much worse than somebody else's behavior. It's happening all over the country. But you also have political rhetoric out there that would suggest that you know, masks don't, aren't very effective, so why bother? Uh, you could still get it, that super spreading events, you know, don't care about them, that it's two weeks before the election, so everyone needs to have rallies. And um, I disagree with that political rhetoric on both sides, that we need to be able to campaign safely, that everyone's vote matters, uh, that we need to make sure that people have a right to safely cast their ballot. But the pandemic is still here. It is real. It is a deadly virus. And we got to mitigate spread. So I want the Mexicans to realize it's happening all over the country. We have higher risk in every literally category. So it's harder to manage the virus. And yet we were doing it, which is why I'm optimistic, because we have proven twice that we can do it. And we're still suffering, I think, some of the effects of increasing risk, Labor Day weekend, and then spread all over the country. All of those are factors about where New Mexico is today. Next question. Oh, did you want to say something, Lieutenant Governor? And just in addition to that, I, you know, I know that I've been in personal communication with superintendents across the state, our school board members, and I know that our educators are out there doing the best they can to keep their students safe. And that's apparent of what's, what's um, we've seen within the data at schools. I know that this was the week that we were going to introduce middle school. And I just remind, want to remind everyone that from the very beginning, it, is. it was always wanting to move forward to in-person instruction because that's what the research shows us, that we can move forward and that's the best possible instruction that can be given. We're still wanting to do that. Obviously, with the high impact of cases that we've seen, we weren't able to do that. But I don't want to lose sight about what the goal has always been is to get those students in the classroom and to have that face-to-face -face contact with their students. Thank you, Lieutenant Governor. There's so much Thank garbage you, that's being uh, we'll given by the... Uh, Goldberg with the Santa Fe Reporter. Did you know that middle school students were supposed to go back to school? No. Go right ahead. Uh, my kids have uh, already been in school for since August. I had a question related to... Um, I guess the new restaurant rules feel like they kind of fall under the category of targeted containment. 
um, sort of Ooh, industry-wide. Nice and job. I wondered if you could talk a little bit about whether the state will also integrate kind of geographic targeted containment, maybe not along the lines of what New York is doing by zip code per se, um, but looking at sort of more localized areas of outbreaks. And I wondered if you could also speak to how having the restaurants keep logbooks of customers might change or enhance the contact tracing Listen with an closely, eye toward that folks. targeted containment. She won't know what she's forward. talking about. I think that's yeah, my absolutely. Thank you. Nope, you're awesome. Um, I appreciate you. So uh, the answer is actually yes to everything that you asked. So, you know, restaurants, because of indoor dining, higher risk and even outdoor, people don't have masks. So they're different than uh, basic retail. But we are looking at, right, retail issues as well. Uh, and, you know, we stalled on expanding and reduced a bit uh, in the same way with uh, requiring uh, COVID safe or safe certified with lodging. Now we're applying that to restaurants um, and we are uh, imposing a curfew and looking at ways to mitigate what's going on in retail. So, and that's how retail is being included. So in she the finally talked about the word for, curfew. So now it's uh, going to go beyond so, restaurants. It might um, go to geographic areas. This is a way of bringing this in. After every no doubt this was a uh, placed question. Now it makes sense. Issues, yeah. Yeah. Identifying what the risk level is. The phrase is targeted containment right yeah. was fed to that reporter. We feel yeah. like this is the best balanced approach. Two, um, are we going to go where we have uh, uh, areas that we can see uh, the outbreaks are worse. Yes. And that's where we can assist when uh, and we're looking for businesses, uh, including retail, that might volunteer to let us be there to test either potentially consumers. So we're working on that. It's not Can't a do that. public health that's order. That's unconstitutional. That. We think we're going to get good cannot do that. where we could screen folks who were symptomatic. Do not uh, comply. And tested right there with a rapid test. Nope, we do can not do comply. the same thing uh, at uh, potentially restaurants and other retailers. So, we so really if I want to go to a convenience store and get a Mountain Dew, i got to get a COVID test when I walk in the door. You can, sue, the, you can sue both the business and the state. In our high-risk counties, Lee, we reserve Eddie, the right to uh, test Chavis, anyone who walks Indiana, in the door. And in zip codes in Bernalillo County. No shoes, no uh, shirt, so no COVID test, and no service. And we looking at... Mitigation efforts that other states and communities are using, again, following State, their modeling State. and medical advisory teams that make sense to They've got a new toy here. And it is how we've determined that safe certified uh, and uh, curfews in terms of being ac your ability to access certain businesses give us a great opportunity to mitigate what's occurring uh, currently. Rapid response, another tool, two and four. And another tool is to increase testing and how we're doing that testing and where we're doing that testing and screening uh, in those high-risk counties. And yes, having data is incredibly helpful uh, by restaurants. We need to know where people are so that we can get them to isolate. Because when we do a rapid response at a restaurant, no one's going to go out. And we if you know this, if, if they're forced the to do contact doing, tracing and you have to go out to a restaurant, this will end a restaurant. There's nobody shutting down restaurants without just saying shutting down restaurants. We've yeah. talked about getting to ground zero is really complicated uh, and not very easy to do for anyone, including New Mexico. But we can't mitigate spread. I have to isolate people who are positive, and I have to know who they are, and I have to get people tested. And the only way I can do that is if we get help knowing who those individuals wow. are. 
I want them to be so safe. So we're doxing businesses and we're one step away know, from doxing people you know, you're who not do safe, not comply. And you could be spreading it. So that's, it will we're going help after you. You are spre- you're a spreader. And as uh, Dr. Grace pointed out, when we have a case that's uh, a day, I'm sorry, where we have 900 cases, what day was that? It is incredibly challenging uh, for us Friday, Friday. to make sure that we got to every single person, every single contact, to make sure that they got to get down to every single person. If they're likely positive, we're going to dox the businesses, contact, and then we're going to dox the, biz- the people right? who we went to, to those businesses, and we're going to shut down those businesses takes, if they have the four rapid response claims, which is real so easy yes, to do, or if they refuse to take the names of their customers. How do you constitute a rapid response? Yeah, Governor, I was just going to jump in. And uh, Julia, again, thank you for that question. Targeted, targeted. Um, I just wanted to say that as we go, we think about rapid responses at restaurants, what we will often see is that we will go out and conduct a rapid response. And then maybe a couple days later, we will see that restaurant pop back up in rapid response. Maybe it took a couple days for somebody who is asymptomatic. Give us an example. You already said you're going to dox uh, people. You know, it passes through the kitchen staff, or maybe it passes in that way. So if, if, by, if it's that bad, we should know the place that we need to avoid. This is this like is along rest- their lines. This is restaurant shutting down. She just doesn't want to do that again. So she's trying to use a new trick. Um, then we would do the the pausing of operations, the deep clean, and the reopening. If you test all your employees, that's one rapid response. We So you're not escalating on that sort of scale to the watch list and ultimately to the shutdown if you're very proactive on the front end and getting as many of your workers wow. tested. Testing is now a condition of employment. Because we, we have 4,000 rapid, yeah. rapid responses behind us that say you might actually have more people on your staff who are positive and you do that deep cleaning and then suddenly – you're, we're back working on a rapid response with you. So this is this is a smart way for businesses to continue to stay open and avoid, as the governor said, the crackdown. Thank you, Secretary Kenny. The crackdown. Thank you, Governor. Next, we'll go. There it is. To you catch Chris that doubt Collier out there. The crackdown. First, Chris, go right ahead. Thank you, Nora. Thank you, Secretaries, and thank you, Governor. Um, like you said, the measures implemented last week and this week really appear to show the benefits of long-term data collection and, and pinpointing behaviors. I noticed one data point on the state's website. Right now it shows 79 restaurants have completed safe certification. And obviously some of those are franchises or represent multiple locations. But I guess I'm wondering, does that number feel low to you? It does. And uh this is why we think this is a, an effective way to get to all of those businesses. And I really appreciate you highlighting that. Um, so it's not that you're right, that it's 79 total businesses. These but, are all placed uh, when you questions. Franchises, Plans, you can do Just much better question. than that. And it's also incredible work that the Recovery Council and these industries did collectively to really get to a place where these COVID safe practices can really make a difference because this is a long haul. Uh, we, we, we got months and months and months to go in, in battling go. Nine months COVID to go. and uh, managing it more effectively. Uh, I also want to point out to you that we, th- we, we are committed to making sure that you know businesses, if everybody right now, uh, we couldn't even get on Zoom uh, or at least live stream through Facebook successfully uh, in its entirety, 
we are committed to making sure that no one uh, doesn't get the opportunity to get that done so that you don't have website glitches. We will do everything to make sure that businesses can do it, can successfully do it, uh, and that we're available to be full partners to manage the virus. But your point, well taken. There are not nearly enough businesses over the last several months when we created the safe certified uh, process who have taken us up on really knowing what it is, what it can mean, and how it can help you keep COVID from taking hold of your business. And, and one last thing, businesses, bought, we have some bad we actors. Shut people down to 25% every, every taking state hold does. Well, We have businesses that just aren't doing what they ought to be doing and really aren't interested in being good partners. That is a oh. low, few and far between number of businesses. Same with individuals. Most of us really want to do this right. But a ton of businesses have either had the opportunity or don't know about it. So this is a way to make it clear. You have to do it if you want to keep doing things the way that you are, and we're here to help you. And I appreciate the question very much. Um, and we believe this is going to be an effective mitigation. We're here from the government, and we're here to help you. Thank you, Governor. Next, I'll go to Nancy Laughlin with KOAT. Nancy, you can go ahead and unmute and go right ahead. Hi, Governor. This is about some parents have contacted me regarding the concern of teen suicides, seven suicides, and one attempted suicide from July to September. And first, I want to make sure that that is accurate. And secondly, is the state addressing this? If so, how? My other question is the teen who died from COVID last week. Yes. Was she a student? Was she from New Mexico? And did she have another serious health issue? She did. Epilepsy. So I'll tell you what I know about our 18-year-old, that uh, everything I know today is that is a resident uh, of New Mexico. We don't believe uh, that she had any underlying She had epilepsy, lady. And I can't really answer the other questions. I mean, the epidemiologists have that information. She doesn't know, know about suicide? diligently to protect the identity and privacy of individuals. Oh, and she so talking about the patient? of that. Uh, and uh, given that you've asked uh, about this 18-year-old, I can't even imagine uh, how painful uh, and terrible and tragic this must be. For she did not die because of family, COVID. Which gets right to the other thing that you asked about. Uh, you know, New Mexico has um, struggled about suicide, both teen and adult. And you might be aware, and many New Mexicans are probably aware, that one of the highest suicide rates for adolescents uh, per capita, unfortunately, is in many minority communities, including sovereign nations. And so it's an area that the Department of Health has worked to address with any number of strategies. And it was one of the things uh, a long time ago, and these have been eroded, as you are aware. And when I was the Secretary of Health, we got great legislative support and created uh, a ton of uh, uh, school-based health centers so that we could provide behavioral health services to students at school. And to your point, even that we don't have the, the, the number anymore, but we have students who aren't in school. We also know that bullying is at school another terrible vehicle that creates any number how, how, of behavioral How is anybody bullying each other at school if there's no kids in school? In New Mexico? But, like, we're going to pre-COVID stuff? Is that what, what we're dealing with? She has no answer. She, she answered, she asked the question, Nancy Laughlin, 
ask the question within the context of COVID-19. That was understood. But Michelle Lujan Grisham skipped over the entire thing. Yeah. There's no answer here. So uh, we have a a variety of efforts that we are undertaking. And I want to make clear again, Nancy, that distance learning, we know by every measure, just like distance Zoom, is insufficient to meet the educational, health, and social well-being of every student. That's a fact. But it's a small price to pay. COVID does not care about that fact, unfortunately. Uh, and we want our parents who are COVID is code for to reach let's out keep everything shut down so the Democrats uh, win the election us, in 2020. Reach out to the social workers this after school. Politicizing. Uh, we want to make sure that we do everything to protect our young people and their families. And uh, I, I don't know if that number is correct. We know that we've seen uh, she doesn't know uh, uh, that there have been some suicides. youth suicides, uh, and it is horrific. Straight up, any suicide. Straight up. Hey, Clary, straight up. Ch- lose our children. Up, they are horrific. And so the straight state up. is aware, and we are all working diligently to provide us okay. many behavioral health solutions. I don't, know. I, I can't, we can. I don't, I don't think our audience about some of the can tolerate how much more of this. Governor, but if you've we'll, got any specific examples with your work with schools, uh, please give them to Nancy. Yeah, Nancy, thank you. And, you know, I've been looking for this information and sent a couple emails uh, in the past couple of days. Oh, he sent some emails. About everybody. it, trying to track down. Uh, specific He's on cases it. and have been unable to verify so far. We are monitoring trips to the emergency room for uh, suicide attempts. It's like a record and, number uh, of suicide attempts. This is insane. Actually this not is showing a direct not showing life or death consequence of their lockdown and they uh, have no clue. We are Zero puzzled clue. a little bit about that because there's lots but of reports But he sent a couple emails over the past couple days. Disorders. During the pandemic, 41% of adults in America complaining of significant increases in either anxiety, depression, uh, and, and suicidal ideation, which are... Just, just in uh, case you didn't think that they didn't care about suicides, there, here's the proof. This is verifiable. You now know they don't care enough to actually have tracked this information, know what's going on, and know of the social costs, the social impact, uh, which ultimately would be a suicide. Um, secondary would be alcohol or drug abuse. But uh, the ultimate uh, being suicide, they have no information driving their answers, and they don't have an answer. But if They're totally young people, heaven forbid... Had passed from COVID, that is all we would yes. hear about. Yep. But we don't know enough about the one COVID patient to actually be transparent. But that's what I'm saying. They they they'll use it only if it's COVID. Otherwise, it is not on their radar. The mention, since folks are are listening here, is we do have a, a toll free number that's staffed 24 seven. Anyone out there who may be feeling that sense of intense loneliness. Anxiety, depression, yeah, everybody, suicidal dude. ideation feels they want help or need Everybody's help. Please doing. call. Please call the number. It's uh, it's easy to remember if you remember one eight five five N M crisis. Sometimes those letters are hard to see on the phone. So the number is also one eight five five six six two seven four seven four one eight five five six six two seven four seven four. Uh, and and if you if anybody here gets additional data about uh, these tragic tragic um, suicides, uh, please feel free to contact me directly, and and we will continue to look into it.
Can I get your number? And I really appreciate that, Dr. So the all suicides uh, from one texter says all suicides uh, or even attempted suicides generate a minimum of at least a police report. Okay. Uh, The toll number uh, isn't used by victims. They're horrible. Uh, We'll have the uh, suicide uh, hotline. Dad has that. Seven suicides is low. This may be just two high school districts. She's outright evil. Suicides are due to a lack of socialization, nothing more. APS has exact data. Rio Rancho has exact numbers of suicides and some attempted uh, suicides. I think this is a slippery slope for them. They the just fact that they asked. actually opened up this particular subject, Larry, yes. this is a slippery slope that they're not going to be able to recover from. Well, and they just and they don't know. They were asked. They don't know. Being mindful of that and doing everything. No, we don't need to be mindful. Uh, God help us. Shows that they don't give a crap about anybody who's had killed themselves uh, from their lockdowns. Uh, people are reacting more to the suicide part of this than they are anything else. The Rotten Beast and uh, Bill Richardson stole the state blind when she was the state high school grifter in charge. Uh, let's see. Um, that's not a liability. Nope. Not if you have factual evidence. Uh, Eddie, a colleague of mine, knows of at least. Two people who went to get tested registered the test but did not end up getting tested but came back with positive results despite not actually getting the test. That's exactly what's happening. They need to be sharing those far and wide. Yeah, let's see. Pete says she is not auditioning for the Biden administration. This is beyond local or national. This is a global audition for the uh, National uh, Health Organization on how far people can be pushed without pushing back. We are descendants of the conquerors. Let's start acting like that. Um, Let's see to the subject of prisons um, because uh, when you were addressing... This is deflection, so we know that there is a huge uh, rise there in prisons. Let's take a listen. ...in these settings, uh, slowing spread, surveillance testing, and so forth. But the numbers are increasing, and this is a population that is confined in congregate settings without a lot of control... And you haven't been um, able to control it. ...over the conditions of their... um, the conditions of their safety. Their behavior. Um, Are you able to guarantee at least that for those who are in the custody of our state corrections department, that if there are, if and when there are concerns about um, isolation of people who are sick, availability of quarantining for those who are sick, availability of testing um, in these places where perhaps the staff gets overwhelmed at times, Um, Are they able to communicate past their wardens with your office or uh, other agencies without fear of retribution on top of the pressures um, affecting their health care? Thank you. Well, um, in terms of your guarantee, uh, look, inmates and the workers uh, both have uh, rights about being protected. Inmates have specific and significant, and they should, constitutional rights, they are in our protection, if you will, uh, and our responsibility in that regard. And uh, I know that things happen outside of our control, and people will, if there's retaliation and folks don't think that we're doing enough, that people should be accountable. Uh, We are at 74% of inmate uh, population currently. We've worked very hard as a state to make sure that you know, non-violent, non-serious uh, uh, offenders, if they don't belong uh, behind bars, particularly in a COVID environment, meeting the requirements uh, of uh, legal requirements of the state, we are doing that. We are working diligently on reintegration and probation and parole, all the things that we should 
so that that in a pandemic setting is useful and it's also the requirements of doing our job effectively for a uh, corrections population. Uh, so, you know, I guarantee that if I find out about it and it's the facts warrant that we've got someone who retaliated uh, directly or a contractor who's behaving that way, there are swift and severe accountability measures and we will take them. Uh, I would love to be able to tell you that we're never going to see another uh, containment or, you know, a congregate setting outbreak. Uh, I wish I could say that. I'd like that to be the guarantee. I cannot. The more prevalent the virus is, the more likely it is to get in. I mean, it's one of the reasons. And when it gets in, particularly to a corrections population, it is very difficult to manage. Uh, and so we work really hard. And I think far too many people around the country don't see that that's a problem. And I want to just point out, we're required as a state to make sure that we meet the health and related care needs of a prison population. That's a, that's a legal requirement, and it's the right legal requirement. Two, the people who all work there are impacted as well, and they're in and out of the community, and their families are impacted. Uh, and that means we've got community spread, so we are really dedicated and diligent, and I appreciate the opportunity to talk about um, uh, how, how, how difficult it is to do right, both in terms of public health for everyone engaged, but I do think that uh, our measures are proving useful and we're only as successful as the community spread in a community, quite frankly. Dr. Scrace. Yeah, just a couple things. Great question. I, I can fill you in on testing. A lot of the cabinet secretaries are now involved directly in testing plans and in testing uh, high priority and high risk populations. And we'll go through the whole list, but Alicia Tafoya Lucero, uh, has really been hitting the target pretty much every week since the very beginning of the summer. Uh, they're testing 50% of the staff in prisons every week. They test inmates 5% per week uh, on a rotating basis. Anytime someone's brought into the prison or released, any transfers are tested as well. And then the prison con conducts uh, rapid responses where if there is a case, because of the high concern about an outbreak, uh, every, every inmate, every staff member is tested then. And there's two active ones going on right now in the South, one in Hobbs and, and one in Las Cruces. So uh, Secretary Tafoya Lucero has been very diligent in ensuring that this testing gets done and, and uh, we're watching that really closely because in a congregate setting like that, it's important. My understanding is they do have the ability to isolate people immediately when a test comes back positive. Uh, right, and based on what I know, uh, we've got one new uh, corrections facility, state facility case today in Valencia County, and the bump that Dr. Grace talked about uh, is a facility in Lee County. So we're paying attention, um, and we should. I wanna make that clear, and thank you, Algernon, for um, always making sure that we're talking about all populations that are at risk. I appreciate you for that. Thank you, Governor. And this will be our last question from Chris McKee with CareQE. Chris, go right ahead. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I had a question related to the hospital numbers that were provided earlier. Um, Too quickly off the bat, how many of those patients in the ICUs across New Mexico are COVID patients right now? I saw it was about 
71% occupancy. Um, second, have you directed hospitals to sort of start thinking about dialing back on procedures that can wait, anticipating that we may have a hospital surge in the next couple of weeks? That happened a long time ago. The third question is just about I mean, the uh, baseline capacity for question. hospitals. From those numbers provided, it does not look like the hospitals are over baseline capacity right now. Is that an accurate sort of surmising of the data? And what happens when we are over capacity is that stuff like field hospitals get activated, like in Gallup or the one that was built in Albuquerque. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Please answer. So, Chris, I'll do the, the, the back end of that question. Yes, you end up with uh, field hospitals and, um, or, or beds and any number of strategies. We're actually paying for those. Remember that when you look at the capacity, which is overall IC, adult ICU and hospital capacity, you know, it's kind of a look back. The other uh, data point that Dr. Scrace shared today was showing the, the rapid increase in hospital capacity by all patients. I'm going to make sure that Dr. Scrace goes through the numbers again based on the question, and uh, thank you for raising that because it, it is alarming, and we do have to pay particular attention to that. And, uh, one All right, I'm going to go ahead and end it there. Uh, that might be the very first time. Good observation, right? I would say that's probably the first time there's actual skepticism coming from the media, the popular media, and them asking on those numbers in terms of hospital capacity. Um, that was a direct question at what we were bringing up before, which was Gallup and Loveless. Yeah, absolutely. And also the question of, you know, the ICU beds, they've turned that into a key metric. How many of those ICU beds are COVID patients? And she had no numbers. She just said that she was going to go back to doctor disgrace and we already have those numbers right and and i understand their argument back will be well if it if an icu bed is occupied it doesn't matter if it's COVID or not if you need more beds understanding but it is you know a more than fair question to ask is the number of icu beds occupied increasing because of COVID? what percentage of them and and it'd be you know i'll, I'll be anxious to see if they are willing to answer that current hospitalizations uh, just updated 183 total deaths 935 uh, total recovered, 20,000 out of a total of 37,302. It requires three negative tests, uh, tests to be totally uh, recovered. Uh, I've noticed that that spread has kept up uh, for some time. A total testing number of 1.061 million, 1,061,268. Uh, Bernalillo County getting singled out uh, considerably. Uh, Los Alamos, excuse me, yeah, Bernalillo County. As we look at this, our daily case average uh, is uh, our positivity rate is under 5%. Cases per 100,000 is 14.1. The positivity rate is 4.7% uh, for Bernalillo County. Uh, the ones that are notated in red are all in CD2 in, yes, dare I say it, those places where there's been a lot of turnout, a lot of early voter turnout. Chavez County, Roswell. Uh, currently looking at 43.6 per 100,000, 9.5% uh, infection rate. Uh, looking at uh, Lee County, 25.5 uh, per 100,000, positivity rate of 13.5%. Remember, those are the people who are tested who are test positive. Remember, there's a lot of people who don't even like to get tested. Uh, that's not even factored in. 11.1% uh, positivity rate in Eddy County, 25.3 per 100,000. So, looking at uh, what they would consider to be hotspots uh, in that area. Another area, uh, the areas that are not hotspots are everything in pretty much uh, CD3, with the exception of Farmington and Gallup, which are now orange, uh, with a different 4.6% positivity rate in San Juan 
eight per hundred thousand, and McKinley looking at eight point seven per hundred thousand with a three point two percent positivity rate. So that's what we're looking at uh, right now, folks, here in the the, the state of New Mexico. Let me get to all your texts. Larry, feel free to uh, add any commentary uh, to all of this. Well, I, I, it is. I think she wanted to have stronger restrictions, but she knew she couldn't just go back to what she had done before. So she's trying this veil of, okay, restaurants, you can be open, but you have to go through our re-education. You have to track every customer, knowing, and and you have to submit your employees to testing, knowing that those restrictions are not going to work. I mean, it's the equivalent of saying, I'm not going to kill you. I'm just going to take all the oxygen out of the room. I mean, the symptom of that is you may die, sure, but I'm just going to, you know, I, I'm not directly killing you. And that's what she is doing with these businesses. She is try, she's throwing down these restrictions that are going to make it harder and harder. Customers aren't going to want to give their names to go out to get a meal to eat just so they can have the privilege of, you know, being contacted by the state later. And, and you know, retail places are not going to, I mean, how are we going to do this? If a retail place wants to stay open, and let's say you have 10 employees, are you going to force those employees to say, listen, we have to stay open, uh, let me test you so that we can stay open. So it's not then the state requiring the boss to do it. The employees only hear it from their boss because the boss wants to stay open. It is pitting New Mexicans against each other, and it is making uh, a COVID test a requirement of condition of employment de facto in New Mexico. I, I, wanna, I thought this was an interesting question, Larry. Uh, you know, you're... Not an unimportant person, I, I guess neither am I, but uh, your former spokesperson for the governor. Mm-hmm. Um, it said, Eddie, is there any way to be, well, it didn't say my name, it just says, is there any way to be able to re-listen to the governor's talk from your show? I'd like to listen with your commentary as well. Um, obviously targeted. Uh, whoever doesn't know about the radio show or our website, it's, they know where to get all of our stuff, which is totally fine. We <laughs> talk about this stuff every day, rockoftalk.com. Uh, There's um, an app. There's There's an app for that. There is, rockoftalk.com. If a restaurant requires your information, we should put her name down and her phone number. Very funny, Sean. I agree. Uh, That would be uh, 505-476-2200. Eddie, this is BS. All suicides and attempted suicides generate police reports. Um, The information can be found. They just don't know it because they haven't cared enough to look. Yep. It's that simple. Presbyterian is doing between two to 300 surgeries a day to try and catch up from all the months they were not allowed to. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, between the anesthesiologists and the other guys who haven't been able to do anything, I mean, i got to imagine their numbers are down. you got to pay these guys their salaries, and they ain't cheap. Well, and, and they got to sit there in a holding pattern and wait for them not to do these elective surgeries. It's absolutely just decimating. But they're like, oh, that's okay. we still got enough. Money. Well, it doesn't go to those anesthesiologists and surgeons out there. It goes to the COVID-19 vented patients where they're just like passively getting this stuff and collecting the money that comes from the federal government. Then you're absolutely right. And to me, it, it, it all falls, falls under the heading of the biggest issue. We have leadership in Santa Fe who is absolutely wearing blinders when it comes to this situation. All they see are those hospital numbers and the infection numbers, and that is how they dictate everything. Anything else that is a symptom of that is is insane it's like a patient has been stabbed 50 times but the patient also happens to you know have a headache so they're like well let's fix the headache first there are other things that are impacting our society there's education there is economy there is healthcare like you just mentioned there are all these factors that are hurting 
because they only look at this one thing with blinders on, and they think if we can just fix this one thing, everything else will be fine, and if we let this one thing get out of control, it will ruin everything else. The fact of the matter is their symptoms, I mean, you know, I, I, President Trump said it early on, the cure is proving to be worse than disease for so many New Mexicans. All right, uh, Eddie, my wife and I are going to sign as Michelle Lujan and her boyfriend when we go to restaurants. That's for Martin. <laughs> uh, Eddie, she's bringing out more votes for Trump, by, and I've talked to Ford uh, customers. They brought up the dictates and where they are completely livid and mentioned voting for Trump. This is massive government surveillance. Eddie, could you please review the newest restrictions? I came in partway through. Yeah, we'll talk about them at 4 o'clock once we have a complete list and uh, segmented that stuff out. I uh, have not uh, forwarded the phone, so please, uh, we're not going to bring anybody on. I've got enough text messages. Uh, Ryan uh, texted a bunch. We built out Gibson Medical Center for this purpose. Her North Star is an incoming asteroid. Uh, <laughs> so it would be logical that bars and theaters could participate. I mean, theaters are shut down for the rest of the year. There's no doubt about that. Um, want to fly a Trump? Want to fly to a Trump rally? I uh, can't do that. Of course, she pivots into virtue signal without answering any questions. Uh, I'd rather die of COVID than isolation. So, um, let's see. Can I bring up one scary point, yes, too? Yes, sir. Someone, and, and, and this isn't uh, me. I, I wish it was my idea. I'm stealing it, though. So, for example, one of my kiddos is a senior this year, and she has not been in school since March. And the governor's talking about this may go on for months and months and months. Let's say she doesn't go back to school. She will go to college as well as every New Mexico high school senior which I want to say is about 20,000 kiddos, right, if I'm not mistaken, maybe a little less, will go into their next step of life only having gone to two and a half years of high school in the building. Crazy. That will be the least amount of school probably that any generation of New Mexican has ever received since we became a state. Eddie, I think the governor should increase social distance to 5,000 miles. I'd like to see her in Moscow. Very funny. Ken says there's a case law that says if a private person or entity conducts a search at the behest of a government, that is the same as the government conducting the search. If law enforcement is required to get a search warrant based on oh, probable cause to get hair samples from them, at the COVID swap, that touches your brain. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah, that is. Um, yes, you're welcome. Anne. Um, Eddie came home, home Sunday, received news that my friend committed suicide. He was married with a child and has been out of work for six months. Oh, oh my gosh. And you heard some of her her response to that was essentially, you know, we've had trouble with this for a long time. She kind of tried to throw a little blame on my former boss, Susanna Martinez, and we know what happened. You know, some of these things were, were scaled back. So she doesn't want to be a leader there at all. But essentially her response is, yes, there's suicides, but, boy, they've been going on for a long time. It's always been bad, and, and, and we're going to try to fix it. Don't, they don't know. They don't care about the problem. I'm getting so emotional. They don't, uh, I, these consequences... I'm just, I'm like losing my mind. Well, I'm just getting too emotional. About these consequences it, so. are real, and that's what we're yeah. trying to tell them. And, and I'm pretty good at getting away from that stuff, but just, you know, hearing from someone who had somebody else who committed suicide and knowing the number of suicide attempts that we get here in the city of Albuquerque daily because they track that stuff with Mike. Mm -hmm. You know, we track um, suicide and suicide attempts. Um, Mike Clausen. Hey, Mike, if you're listening out there, could you call in? Um, or just uh, text in, let me know that you're listening. So we'll, I'll give you a full list. He's been tracking that stuff. Well, um, and, and they, only, they, they only asked about Nancy Laughlin with KOAT, to her credit, asked the question. 
and and not that I shouldn't say only ask about, but but she limited the questioning to she can find it. She did to to under eighteen, right? Which is something we should know. But to your point, I mean, like that texter, there are fathers, there are mothers who are struggling right now, and they see no way out. They do not see any light at the end of this tunnel. Yeah. And and I can't emphasize it enough. I mean, I mean, there's got to be people who are just trying to get their families the hell out of New Mexico the, at this point. The other side doesn't care. They, when, when we argue about the importance of a paycheck, the other side just says, "Well, that's nothing compared to your health." And we're saying, I'm saying they're interrelated. If you are scared that you're not going to be able to feed your family, then that's when these things start coming onto you and start, you know, these. Uh, yeah, th- that's when we start seeing people really start to wonder if there's going to be any answers in their near future. There are real consequences to the actions she is taking. And the fact of the matter is, it is a separation of bureaucrats who are still getting their paycheck, making decisions for no, more New Mexicans who are not. And I mean, I know you've talked about it, the, the kiddo, the picture of the kiddo outside of Roswell schools. You saw that, right? Yeah. And, and, and that, I mean, but the backstory is the mom had two jobs, was already working two jobs. Yeah, but they had no internet service at home, so they had to go camp well, out next to the building. She lost one job because of the lockdown and can't afford internet anymore. These are the things that happen. A kid is sitting outside school trying to get an education because he doesn't have internet at home. And the uh, governor, it, 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 apparently that is acceptable under our leadership. Hospitals are a business. Their goal is to stay in your capacity, Eddie. Uh, exactly right. Melvin says... Um, they zoned age groups like voting districts. No mention of the percent of hospital capacity. Is a watch list retroactive? What about the owners with multiple locations? Uh, looks like she just exempted Walmart based upon her recommendations because they have a pharmacy. Rapid response is triggered by positive tests. No more testing. Do not risk your employment on a false positive uh, test. Interesting. Um, if I could, Eddie, I would bolt from New Mexico now. Uh, who needs prisoners when we are all prisoners here in the state? Um, <clears throat> Eddie, so the Dark Ones have their own plan for mankind's enslavement. They will not succeed, but they must try. So these prisoners are put in quarantine when they leave the facility? Huh. I relayed this to Rudy, but finding Rock of Talk saved my life when this all came down in March. A voice of reason in the fog. Thank you, Eddie. You're appreciated more than you know. Um, thank you. I'm just going to try not to get emotional for a little while. Uh, the lady enjoys hearing herself talk. Yes, she does. <clears throat> and he has a law enforcement officer. It is so hard to uphold the New Mexico Constitution knowing that she is our governor. There are a lot of officers that are trying to leave the state and actively working, looking for employment other other places. Also, these last seven months, all family violence and suicidal attempts has increased dramatically. It's the worst I've seen it in seven years. So that's from a law enforcement officer. Wow. Wow. Um, Eddie, they did not mention the subject in previous, previous uh, TV broadcasts of the little girl. Luhan Grisham is the co-chair of the Biden transition team. You can Google it. Eddie, she's more concerned about the constitutional right of prisoners. Some people would say that. Um, this is seven sides. Is Okay, yeah. State of New Mexico has the data. They are not being truthful. CYFD is pushing kids that were abused back to abusive parents because of the failed reunification policies. It is criminal to reunify a child with abusive parents. Ask about the YDCC and their policy to reject release violent youth. The threats have to stop. Um, that's having a, a lot to do right now. A lot of these children uh, who are special needs children, you know, how can a family take care of someone who's special needs without being a specialist? It's got to be impossible. Mm-hmm. The constant stimulus. 
Uh, Eddie, I also heard of others who went and get tested but didn't get one because of the wait times, only to get positive results. We've heard that multiple times. These numbers are inflated for her. By the way, I can't stand listening to her lies and her fake concern. Uh, Eddie, I personally know three suicides this month alone. We're on fire line of life. These leaders are pure evil. There you go. Uh, Larry, I'll let you uh, take the last few minutes. It's kind of a little bit of a uh, back and forth. It is. You know, I... I... It's tough, and and I'm going to search for the words here, and I I hope I don't mess up. But the fact of the matter is, there is more people who feel strongly about returning to normal and doing so safely than there are bureaucrats in Santa Fe who have a political interest in keeping things locked down and keeping things um, under their thumb. And I know it can't be hard on days like this when you think maybe there's light at the end of the tunnel and it just keeps getting moved back and moved back but the the only word that i could put with it is faith you have to have faith that the good people around you and there are good people around you are seeing the truth are understanding the truth regardless of what we are being told and fed out of santa fe so we are leasing uh back to that uh, gibson medical center uh that's 360,000 square feet located at 5400 gibson boulevard um, and this has been approved by the facilities manager, management division director, um, or designee. This is a lease that was generated on March 11th after declaring a state of public health emergency response to coronavirus. Has not been used. The, in consideration of the lease, lesser and lessee, you agree to the following rent schedule. Here's the rent schedule. Annual rent at $720,000 a month. You read that right, folks. You heard that right. Seven hundred and twenty thousand dollars a month for three hundred and sixty thousand. That's twenty four dollars a square foot full service. And they're not using any of it. Wow. Eight point six four million dollars will be spent by your governor for a hospital that she's not using. Uh, this is going to, I guess, Gibson Medical Center, a woman by the name of Nadine Daskalos. So they're collecting, and I guess good for them, right? I mean, they get to collect $8.6 million. $8.64 million. And, and, and not using it? That doesn't make sense. I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm having a very hard time. This is coming from George Morgan, the deputy director. And we're talking about hospital hospital capacity. Like literally, today's conference started with exactly that: the hospital conference and hospital capacity. Like that, there's just here's ten million dollars, and that's. I mean, let's put it together, right? I mean, she they spent eight million on questionable PPE that they couldn't use, and they just said, "Oh, we blundered it." The money that they have spent. Of, uh, of our tax dollars out of Santa Fe that they've just said and shrugged it off and said, whoopsies, is staggering. And the, who wouldn't create a lease that has an out if that we don't use it, we do not pay for the months? Why would the state of New Mexico take $720,000 a month and pay it to people who already have a considerable amount of money here uh, in the state if they're not utilizing the state? And I realize that it's a contract that it's in there, but who would sign a contract, even an emergency contract, without some sort of 
an out that would suggest that, well, if we don't use it, it's not being used anyway, so why would we pay for it? This is a undue circumstance. Well, I, and for does that ev- makes sense? It does. It does. And, and it goes to the, the PPE argument that, that we were talking about of, you know, she says all the time, it's important not to panic. It's important not to panic. But the fact of the matter is... This, this is panic. This is panic moves. These are absolutely panic moves. Was it $8 million? We don't care. Spend it. Get it done. Is it eight, you know, like, what, how do we know that it... How do we know it was And I'll done? ask you, if the leadership in the legislature, who's supposed to be controlling the purse strings, were doing their job, they would start to look at a lot of this financing of, of how much tax dollars is going out, especially when we're having to get loans from the federal government to continue unemployment because... We're continuing to lock down. Yeah, $35 million we got uh, for that. Larry, it was good to have you here. I appreciate uh, you very much. Thanks for taking three hours of your time to listen to that uh, stuff. We're going to go straight into Sean Hannity. See you at 4 p.m. You're listening to Fox News, ABQ.FM. 92.9 93.7 FM.